Your next career move could be the one you never imagined. Web3 Nomads, everywhere jobs for anywhere people. Look who we've got today. <laughs> Danko, how are you doing, sir? It's been, it's been a while since we chatted uh, face to face, but um, glad you're here. Thank you for joining yeah. us. I know you must be busy, um, but yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for the invitation, sir. You're right. I don't know. Is it was? Is it almost a year ago that we talked to each other? It could be almost, right? I mean, I for think, sure. I think so. Yeah. Maybe, I think it is, you know, because um, I'm just looking. I think the last time we spoke, I was definitely in this place I'm in now. And um, I, I vaguely remember it being just as we got there. And I, we've had this place like one year now. So, yeah, way too long. <laughs> but there's been a lot happening there's been so much happening <laughs> um, i don't know if we should talk about 2022 <laughs> as a whole yes a lot happened there and i think everybody is happy that we're not in 2022 anymore and looking forward to what's coming probably in 23 yeah but uh, crazy times <laughs> yeah it can't get much worse um so um why don't i'm pretty sure a lot of people who are listening will, will completely understand where who you are and where we're coming from but um can you just give us a bit of uh, an origin story of how you got into this whole space? There are always a little bit, there's always some funny kind of tales how people got into the space. There's a lot of kind of tales of getting destroyed, being kind of bull market geniuses and then get it handed, back and handed, handed it back to the market and things. But yeah, I'd love to hear like what drags you into this space and um, kind of uh, what got you to where we are now effectively. Yeah, yeah, I really got interested in the space end of 2022, 2020, 2021 beginning, right? It's I guess where a lot of people just came back because the bull market was rallying. Everybody was talking about this. And uh, I mean, I can remember it quite vividly. Christmas 2020, my brother just said, dude, just check this out, right? It's like going pretty well. And uh, then I said, I don't know, right? I'm not into trading. I don't like speculating as a whole. And now people will probably stop laughing. Dude, you're in crypto. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, no, but it's, uh, he said, no, you should, truly should look into this a super interesting technology. There's so much happening. I think you'll like it. And I said, okay. And I'm a big podcast fan, right? I'm listening to Lex Friedman and all this kind of stuff. And he was also starting to talk about cryptocurrency, Bitcoin. He invited people like Anthony Pompliano. And then I said, okay, let me listen to this. And then I got into it more and more and more. And then I started to read a lot about Bitcoin. And the moment I truly understood what Bitcoin was, it's like, damn, this is next level, right? It, this has to work. And this is amazing because for the first time, we don't need uh, a third party in there and it's scalable. That's truly cool. Um, actually, I bought my first Bitcoin in 2017. Uh, back then because a friend of mine told me hey dude you just should buy this it works but I didn't do any research and it was a pain to get it back then I kind of probably got scammed three times on the way to this and I, was like, oh, I got it. but I sold it pretty quickly because it's like I just started to truly work did a, a good job right it's like I don't know it feels kind of wrong because it's going up and down so quickly no I'm out of here and <laughs> I never came back uh, yeah that's kind of how I got in touch. It's crazy. So I know how painful it was back then to interact with crypto. And then 2020, uh, 2021, I started to research a lot. And I said, this is truly the future. Everybody was talking about it on YouTube. So many channels came out of nowhere. I mean, you know them probably yourself and you watch them all. And then I said, yeah, let, let's try to uh, learn more about this. And then I discovered Twitter. <laughs> Uh, basically, I also had an account, account years ago, but I never really used it because in Germany, nobody uses Twitter. Um, and that's how I truly got into the space um, itself. And then 
while doing more and more research, uh, March and April, I guess we anyway talk about it, um, the Terra ecosystem also got some traction. Uh, and I found it because I was kind of understanding, okay, Bitcoin is truly interesting. Bitcoin is super important if you talk about money creation, the Triffin dilemma, all this kind of stuff. But my question was, how can I use this on a daily basis? And then it was obvious that it's stable coins, but I was never a fan of centralized stable coins. So I wanted to find an alternative system and that's what dragged me into the Terra ecosystem, kind of having an algorithmic stablecoin. And um, I was always a multi-chain fan, but on the Terra ecosystem, Mirror Protocol started to get traction. And there was Mirror Protocol version 2, which was a bit complicated, but you could basically pull off a Delta Neutral strategy. And I just, nobody knew me on Twitter back then, kind of mid of 2021, did a flowchart explaining how you could do it, right? And also giving some numbers uh, on what the yield might be. And then people approached me and said, could you do a video on this, explaining it? And I said, yeah, why not? Uh, if you're interested in it, I could record it and just put it on YouTube. Uh, that was my first uh, YouTube video then, basically explaining the strategy. Uh, then they asked me again, because I was very active in Discord, for example, on Terra and on the Mirror side, uh, could you also show step-by-step -step how to do it? And I said, okay, let me record another video. And then somebody said, could you show the figures and your Excel sheet? Because I had a huge Excel sheet trying to calculate everything. <laughs> And then I said, okay, let me do as well. And then I had my three videos uh, on YouTube, I think in the span of a week, and it got a lot of attention, a lot of clicks. And then I said, well, maybe I should just keep on doing this. <laughs> so that's where my YouTube channel started. And then it just kept growing. Yes, focus on the Terra ecosystem, but then as a whole, I was multi-chain, covered Cosmos. Uh, back then the MIM stuff also, right? Which then also got uh, basically combined with the Terra <laughs> stuff. Just keep on. And what I was always doing is just explaining uh, protocols, how it works in terms of DeFi and how you can interact with it. Because I myself being a huge YouTube user, I was not a fan of a lot of the content that was out there. I just, I'm not interested myself too much into when is the next 10X and kind of how do I understand the chart number go up? I have nothing against TA, but it's just like, I always had the feeling that the space was a bit too much into the gambling area and a bit too much into, okay, I need the next 100X and there's a lot of scam and chilling and paid content. So I said, yeah, I mean, if people would like to listen to me, let me try to do some YouTube videos. And that's how I got into this. I have a completely different background. I'm an industrial engineer, bachelor master's, uh, worked for several years for a big construction tool company in strategic marketing and pricing. <laughs> so I have nothing to do as a whole with neither finance nor tech or the space itself. But yeah, that's what got me into this. Long story, awesome. sorry. <laughs> no, it's great. No, I, I love hearing the stories, you know, because there's all there's a lot of kind of motifs throughout a lot of people's stories, particularly the 2017 kind of thing. Like I got completely thought it was a bull, bull market genius 2017, but that was just more liquidity coming into the system. <laughs> and then quickly, quickly found out the hard way. And um, as I say, similar to yourself, kind of just dug down into the research and tried to dig my way out of it. But um, so even um, with, with the kind of, with the YouTube stuff, obviously we've, we just hit like hundredth interview, like a couple of weeks back. But what was, what was that like in the, in the early days what were those first videos like do you, do you watch them back now and you're like geez this could have been this could have been so much better were you a bit kind of nervous about going into something like oh we're just not really bothered and if you understood what you were trying to get across uh, it also helps <laughs> so how, how did you kind of approach that and was there any kind of hesitations around it um i never 
kind of revisited those videos and I guess I don't want to. <laughs> I don't even <laughs> think that they were super bad. The funny thing is also reflecting on how I'm doing videos, which is probably not the ultra fanciest way. I basically have my PowerPoint open. You see myself in the corner and I'm just doing a presentation, which is basically what I've done in my former job being uh, basically uh, in a similar position as a business partner, right? So just staying in front of people, trying to cut down a very complex topic into a 10 to 15 minutes bunch and then explain it to it. So I'm also just doing a one take, right? It's just camera on. I have my slides ready, which take, of course, a while presenting, but then I have my flow. I just record it and done. So I remember when people back then watched my videos and then after a few videos, they said, hey, you already improved a lot. Uh, it's easier to follow you and all this kind of stuff. And of course, I'm just playing around a bit with the animation, which is all PowerPoint. People never believe it, but it's literally all PowerPoint. Uh, it's pretty powerful if you can use it. So, And then I just stick to that kind of way because what I like when I watch somebody on YouTube is kind of you feel you have that kind of feeling to come home, right? It's like it's a typical intro, which you can speak yourself already after a while, right? Uh, so maybe I'm a weirdo. Maybe I'm the only one doing this, but <laughs> listening to a lot of podcasts. Um, <laughs> maybe I no, no, say I, that. I get it. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and then I just uh, basically have my slide deck, which I present to people. And then maybe I jump over uh, into just showing truly the web app. And that's it. So maybe I should watch it again and see kind of how bad it was. <laughs> I literally yeah. don't know. But I basically kept that style. Yeah, there's nothing worse than having to sit back through your own edits, listening to your own voice. Jesus. <laughs> I you I don't like it? it. We, we, I got used to it. Out. Yeah, <laughs> I, can, I can definitely do it without cringing as much now. Um, but we've, we've got someone who does all our edits and uploads and thumbnails and clipping into shorts and things like that now um because one it was just taking up way too much time and our like my capacity is just nuts at the minute but uh yeah it's funny so can we um before we get on to kind of present time and uh what you're kind of looking at now and what the kind of planning strategy is now is um can we i know it's <laughs> i know it might be a sore topic can we can we touch on how i know it affected an awful lot of people but how was how did kind of you react with the collapse of terror obviously it hit you guys hard and if you can get into kind of like i'm pretty sure you had like validate network set up and things like that i'd just like to hear that from you um maybe as a cautionary tale to others and um is there anything that you definitely learned from that that will stick like for a very long time and um just to kind of let people in on that insight i think yeah i mean a ton of learnings um painful days uh, it's kind of weird because I remember them quite good, but at the same time, they're like blurry, like a dream, because it's crazy what happened in the span of just a few days. Um, I think I remember in May, the weekend when it all just collapsed, uh, right? Because I was talking to a friend who was also active in the ecosystem. He was right now preparing uh, to launch a protocol, and we were having a call on Saturdays, Crypto 24-7, right? <laughs> it is what it is. You're working all the time. 100%. And then I was... <laughs> I was sitting down with him and then we were talking about anchor protocol. And then in my videos, I was always calculating, okay, what's the reserve doing? Does it make sense? What would be something way more sustainable? Because what people I think forgot is like, for example, in end of October, beginning of November, the year before, before it collapsed, it was even yielding, right? So the yield reserve was going up. It was working because the amount of UST was sustainable that was in there with the increase also in the lunar price and just the ecosystem was trying to, yeah, get more traction, and that's how it truly worked. 
And then I told him, dude, I just came off of a call with my uh, mother. Uh, she just called me and asking me how I'm doing. And I told her, I don't know, I have a very bad feeling. I think next week I'm broke. It's literally what I told her, right? It's like, wow. uh, that's the way, because uh, uh, I'm just having here, I mean, she doesn't understand all this kind of stuff. But when I was talking to the other dude, I was saying, like, take a look at the numbers. It's getting a bit concerning as a whole, right? Because if you take a look what happened in January last year, we had also a crash of the market, right? Also, Luna came down. But the amount of you basically the same structure, but the amount of UST we had out there was just not as high. It was around 10 billion. But then in a span of four to five months, it just doubled. And it kind of felt a bit unnatural. And I think ultimately what was trying to be done by TFL in the background is just to get even more traction for UST that mm. it cannot fell anymore at all. But I think the other way around happened. And I don't even care if it was an attack or no, I don't think so. It's just I think the economics didn't work anymore after a while, right? Because there was just too much UST created uh, as a whole. And then we were just talking back and forth. And yeah, I don't want it to dox who it was, but that guy said, yeah, I mean, I'm also, I'm seeing right now there is a hackathon built by Jump. I think they, they also know what they're doing. They are big investors, right? I think it will be somehow fine. And then at that day, Saturday night, um, the news just broke. I think it was for me around midnight that kind of we have this slight tick, right? It was just 25 bips uh, UST going under pack. Which is weird because 25 bips is nothing crazy for a stable coin, an algorithmic one. So it just should go back. Um, but nobody reacted from TFL. It stayed there, which was also weird. And it was that weekend mm. when kind of the two pool was moved over to the three pool. And uh, in hindsight, also surprisingly, it was also the weekend where the whole TFL leadership team was traveling. <laughs> like, a, I don't know, a 15 hours flight it was uh, somewhere from the US back to Asia. And it's, I mean, it's weird in hindsight that everything came together, but then, you know, I mean, Doe was posting this kind of stuff, right? Saying, hey, it's all right. Uh, what's happening? Cockroaches, all this kind of stuff. I was never myself a big of a fan of how this was communicated, right? And I think this is my biggest learning in hindsight. While I was showing the numbers that it's getting complicated on the Anchor Protocol side, I also never was too vocal in saying like, I'm not sure about how it's communicated from certain people in the ecosystem because it's also difficult, right? To then say something, you on Twitter, you get a lot of uh, hate, all the trolls come over to you. And I was just a guy, you know, I still also in hindsight believe in what was the goal of Terra. We see it with the centralized stable coins right now. So the, it was a good alternative system, but how it was executed with maybe a bit of the greed of the growth for UST just didn't work out. Well, and then Sunday, happened and monday and then it truly started to depack and crash and that was crazy i think monday i went to bed at 5 a.m or so being in calls with different people of the ecosystem community members talking and then i started to do those spaces right for hours and hours the whole week which i think had i don't know two to three thousand people <laughs> so crazy uh, in terms of twitter spaces just trying to listen to people and trying to understand what's happening myself because we were a validator back then on Terra. Then we had the chain halt, then the minting stuff. Dude, that's, it was crazy. I didn't have much sleep that week. And uh, yeah, it was, it was wild. Uh, so I don't know. So I was now having a monologue for a while. Uh, I don't even know if I answered your question. So the learnings are, yeah. I think um, we need to still be always... Uh, objective in terms of what's happening here in the development of DeFi. There is no regulation that has a lot of upside, but the downside, of course, is that it just can go bust immediately. And that's what happened here. Uh, for myself, 
uh, as a learning, I think um, having a bit more in liquid staking than in staking, but I was, of course, being a validator yourself, you want to get yourself into the set, right? So you are staking yeah. with yourself. Uh, I mean, I was fine because maybe being a German or kind of German born, I was diversified a lot. So it was just kind of a, uh, a part of my portfolio as a whole, but kind of having more clarity on what could happen and also listening to people and accepting that it could go completely to zero in crypto always, uh, all the time. I think this is a very important piece. And then I said, also giving feedback to the people and saying like, I really don't like the way how it's communicated because I think this was also the big rise and fall of Terra and Do Kwan as a whole, right? Kind of being uh, a bit cocky. While I mean, I just talked to Do in as a, in real life November before that year, just like two minutes. Never talked to him. I just thought he was a very nice guy. He truly took the time to talk to me. He just said, "Oh, you are Danku, right? Okay, yeah, I've heard, right? You're just doing some videos in Terra, and congrats and cool stuff. What are you doing?" So very, very polite and kind, and that's how I always also understood that he is as a person. But he said himself, I think later on, that his Twitter personality just went into a different direction, right? And mm -hmm. uh, in hindsight, it's difficult. It's easy to say, "Yeah, that was not a good move." It happened what it happened. Um, I mean, what happened right now? is this goes into history as one of the biggest fails probably ever. Um, I don't even know if we took the right learnings from this in terms of algorithmic stablecoins. I still believe there are need because if we just have uh, a collateralized stablecoin, I don't know if uh, DeFi and the idea of crypto can truly run long-term. Uh, we can talk about the systematics uh, later on, but Terra is still out there. Terraform Labs, I mean, we're gonna run a validator and it seems that they're truly still convinced to keep on pushing. I guess they also have great reserves uh, still uh, yeah. if they cashed out uh, over time just to be ready because you need to do that. Um, so let's see where this goes. But um, it hurt. Man. It hurt a lot and yeah. I'm still PTSD. Yeah, I can only imagine, man. Um, it's just kind of one chain of events after the other in this space last year. But um, do you think we can ever get past that? What, what am I trying to say here? So let's... Put you in the situation you were in, so obviously well ingrained within the ecosystem and in, in the community. Do you think there's ever a point where people can get past the fact that you can bring up an issue if you if you see it? Um, if anyone's going to see it, it's probably someone who's very much kind of woven into the fabric of an ecosystem. And or do you just think it's kind of human nature? If you were to say anything or kind of like start speaking to people or even put anything out saying like, look, it doesn't look doesn't look great. It's, it's a real catch-22, that one, because it, we've seen it across multiple projects where if someone kind of becomes part of a community and then they see something that they, they don't necessarily like and then they kind of... Have to, how, how do we get around that as kind of a an industry or community? Because it does get to the point, and I think it did get to the point with... Particularly with Terror, particularly with the likes of Wonderland, um, Phantom to a degree, where you get these kind of deities effectively. Um, and not necessarily that you guys are, I think you're an awful lot more sophisticated than the masses that speak the loudest. But how do you get to a point where it's like people are focused on the protocol and not the person? Um, or, do you, or do you just think that's part and parcel of like emerging tech? Um, yeah, you could make the case that uh, the boom and bust and being so quick, right, and going up and down just helps to just uh, have the biggest and easiest uh, evolution as a whole, right? Because you learn, you fail, and out of your failure, you can learn again. Maybe that's the best way uh, to just move forward. 
Um, it hurts, but it then works somehow. I mean, reflecting just on this specific case for Anchor Protocol, right? I mean, I was just, for example, doing the videos and saying, hey, this is the case. Those are the numbers. Those could be solutions. Uh, it was starting to shift, right? I mean, I was also uh, lucky to, for example, get approached by the Anchor Protocol team. I was helping them with the Twitter spaces as a moderator over there. So there was a change happening. The uh, interest rate was coming down, but it seems that it was just too late and didn't move. What I never liked about how the crypto space acts in terms of giving feedback is that often they just point at a finger at somewhere and say, this is shit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Twitter is just not a good way uh, to, I think, vocalize this. And I know how the algorithm works. I'm not a big fan on that on YouTube, but it's like making a picture where you do like this on the thumbnail, no, right? Yeah. It just helps. And if you then have the <laughs> saying like, oh, the next collapse is coming, that's the easiest way to get clicks. <laughs> but I guess it's not the best way to do const constructive feedback. Um, I just would love to see more people kind of thinking in terms of win-win, right? So... If you see something is wrong, maybe you can help working on how to improve it instead of saying that it's shit. You know what I mean? That's just me, how I like to approach stuff. That's why I never, yeah, let's see, like how people act on Twitter and it just go a completely different way and just kind of trying to explain stuff objectively as much as possible. But uh, I don't know if probably it's just human beings. It's, it's also very difficult to bring across a point in a written form, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So um, maybe it's me having a corporate background, but if I have an issue with somebody or understand something differently, I just give him a call. <laughs> it's that easy. Um, I don't know if you know the Cosmos ecosystem where I'm not right now involved a lot, has a lot of drama, right? This is yeah. classic governance drama. And there are just a few personalities that if they speak everything goes bust immediately, right? And it's just like, I hate you and you hate me. No, but that's bullshit. And that doesn't make sense at all. And um, I won't say names, but there is one particular guy who got a lot of drama lately. And then I just texted him and said, dude, let's just have a call. And he said, why do I want to have a call with you? And then I said, you were texting now with me on Telegram half an hour to not have a call. We could have had a call for half an hour, right? It probably it would have been way easier to figure things out. We had then a call. And then the mood shifted immediately. Well, it's yeah. so different. If you talk to somebody, you see their face, even if it's just digital, uh, then somebody can truly explain and not only like a few characters, what you truly mean. Uh, you can go into a discussion that easy. Sometimes crypto feels like a kindergarten, right? It's just like, mm -hmm. it's not cool. We just uh, need more manners, partly. I don't know if that's the right word. Uh, and just talk to each other. It's that easy. And there is so much, let's say class or kind of uh, knowledge in the space it could work out so great and that's what is all based that's why i believed in web3 you can just build on top of each other and just help and everybody can still win i know we don't say walk me anymore <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know that's what tracked me uh, kind of got me into the space as a whole that you can work together and it's win-win the more classic way of doing stuff is like i keep it for myself and i try to be better than you i think crypto mm -hmm. changes this but we don't show this on Twitter always. <laughs> yeah, no, I, complete, I completely agree with everything you've just said there. And yeah, it does it does look like a, a kindergarten as you, as you aptly described it. And I think there's a lot of kind of virtue signaling and point scoring and social social climbing going on there as well. But yeah, those the same people that are the loudest in those kind of arenas, If you, as you say, if you got them on a call, there's absolutely no way that the same discussion would happen. And it's quite hilarious, really. 
Um, hence why a lot of people like to stay anonymous in the space because, you know, if you get them on a the call, they're probably not going to act the way that they act. <laughs> it's, it's role, a lot of it's like, as, as people like to say, it's a, it's a LARP, it's a, it's a role play, it's live action role play. And a lot of the space is that. Um, and it's, it's quite weird. It gets quite religious at times, particularly of the competing projects. And I don't know why that is. I'm not going to go down like a philosophical rabbit hole or anything there. But I think particularly when there's money involved, people get very irate, particularly with that degree of anonymity and kind of mob crowd-like behavior and things like that. It does get a bit hectic at times. Um, but I suppose let's let's shift the focus a little bit. Where where is where are you spending your most time and attention now? Like what's what's occupying your mind share and what you're most kind of excited about? Yeah. Um, so when I did then, the, so end of 2021, I made the decision, Hey, um, I think the space is amazing. I focus so much time and effort into the space. Let me try to do this full time. Right. And trying to become this sovereign individual web three, um, with different income streams. And let's also see if this truly works because it's always so easy to say, Hey, this is the future. But if even we don't believe in this future and try it ourselves out, I think it doesn't make sense. Um, so what I did back then is I didn't want to have paid content. Um, I didn't want to, yeah, kind of do any kind of advertisements on my channel. So I had to find a way to create income. And I identified the validator business as something that I call like aligned incentives, right? Because you don't need to stake with us. But if you like the content and you get to learn about different chains, I could maybe deploy a validator there. And then if people want, because they anyway stake, they can stake with us. And we just take the commission out of that. And um, maybe I can make a living out of that. The problem, of course, was I'm not a coder by any means. So I had to find a team that helps me setting up the validator because I don't believe in this validator as a service or white label validators, because if we all do this, it's again centralized. <laughs> it doesn't make mm -hmm. sense at all. And a lot of people run on Hetzna or on AWS. So I found a team in Austria, which I also then got to know in person. That was important for me. It's the Dyke team. And we created a joint venture to create some validators, which we then started to deploy. The first one on Terra, when Terra was still running, that was a huge effort because I think we needed like over 50 million asset under management to even get into the set. Wow. But the moment you entered the set, it was uh, economically very interesting. So that's what I started to build back then because we said, okay, I have to reach. Hopefully people might stake uh, with us. I just cover different ecosystems. And then we also can shine with the technology that we have because we are right now truly have our service in Austria. We help to decentralize the set and people can approach me. They know me because often you don't know who is behind the validators, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of governance. So we did that. We're right now on 18 different chains on mainnet um, live. Wow. So Osmosis, Cosmos, Terra2. Um, we are on different test nets like Say and Sui also right now. So we're trying also to truly contribute. Uh, on Cosmos, there is interchain security coming. There was the game of chain. So we were on testnet. We finished at number four. So also showing that nice. kind of we have the technical knowledge. And I'm very proud um, of the team because it's often, oh, you're an influencer, right? Uh, you don't run the technology yourself and you don't know <laughs> what you're doing there, running on Bison trades. But that was not the case. So that was an income stream that I um, started to build. Uh, but we need to be honest, during the bear market, validator business is not... Uh, very interesting financially at all, right? I mean, we're lucky that we have a few sets where we're in there and thank you if somebody is listening to this and staking to us, but you can run the numbers pretty quickly yourself, right? You can just take the stake you have, the price, the commission, the yield uh, from the staking rewards 
and then minus the technology cost, the infrastructure that you have, and then how much it's left there. And it's it's some, not something that is um, interesting to run as a business unless you are one of the big dogs, like Coros One or so forth. But we're happy. So that was income stream number one. And I'm still trying to do BD, let's say, right? I'm reaching out in discords to the team foundations and trying to get us running there. And then I was lucky that there is uh, a web three focused only hedge fund that was created in Austria, the first one in Austria officially. Um, there, they asked me if I want to help them out in being an analyst and just giving them clarity on what's happening right now in the space. That's where I'm focused on as well. And then I'm also doing myself just contribution to different projects, right? That just say, hey, we just want your insights, consultancy, your, your work in here. I'm happy that I found Delphi Labs as something that I can contribute to. I found also Binary, another big player in the Cosmos space that I can contribute to. And that's what just gets me busy um, all the time. So independently from my brand, just deploying my work power there. Uh, and I, in that way, I basically created an income stream or different income stream where I can be sure, okay, I'm planning this out. And all those income streams come into my own company that I created um, last year. And um, yeah, at the moment, the contributions are taking a lot of my time. That's why content went down a bit. Uh, but I hope that this changes back again and then I can do more content again. But also, maybe it's just me, but it's not yet. I, I have a feeling I cannot explain too much right now out there, not so much new. <laughs> so I hope that a lot of new stuff is coming soon and then I can go again more into content. That's awesome. It's, it, this is one of those great stories of... Um, I think what I get an awful lot is um, like a couple of my friends now have... Uh, they're keen photographers and they're like into the kind of fashion industry and things like that. And I've um, hooked them up with like stable diffusion and mid journey and things like that. And they they have set up like set up their own pages and they're churning out some really like great imagery and stuff like that all around this story. And I suppose what I'm trying to get at, it's they're, they're constantly asking like, how do you, how do you grow? How do you kind of like monetize? How do you make like a business out of this? And it's just like one your story there is just, you started something out of pure interest didn't really think too far ahead, just continued working and just continued grinding and the consistency puts you in a position where you are now, where you just kind of figure it out and you stumble upon this cold bespoke path that you can't really plan. Um, and things just kind of fall into your lap. And I'm always of the opinion, I think you probably share this opinion, like the more that you kind of give out in this space, it just returns itself in ways that you could never plan or never imagine. Um, so I, I love those kind of stories and there's no way to kind of write a book on how to do that, that traditional uh there's ways to write a book on like how to do a traditional path to like being a doctor or a lawyer and things like that or however whatever regular profession people want to go into but if there was <laughs> i don't think there's a natural progression into the kind of line of work that we both do so it's um i just love how you just start and be consistent opportunities just kind of fall on your lap i think yeah yeah it's this kind of as i said this sovereign being and trying to just figure it out uh, as you said yourself. And that's what you said is a very important piece for myself. It's just out of pure interest, right? So in the end, um, I'm doing this because I love it, uh, because I'm just interested in the space and I'm happy if somebody wants to listen to it, if I trying to figure out for myself how something works and then I'm happy to just share this. Um, and that's all. So that's why, yeah, it kind of never resonated with me to now saying, okay, I need to do now every day a video and it has to look in this way just to please the algorithm because then we go just back into this world of, well, this is also needed, not saying any, we kind of live 
to those rules, but it's kind of, we almost become a bit like slaves again, you know, kind of just following this. And it's like, if you don't like to do this, I don't see a benefit in doing this um, as a whole. It's a bit naive, a bit romantic, <laughs> but I think the chance was there to try it and um, just trying to keep that route for now. <laughs> yeah, love that. So what's, what's interesting you in the Cosmos ecosystem? What's, um, give me, give me some alpha. <laughs> where, where, where you, where's the most interesting kind of stuff being built at the minute? Uh, I mean, right now, I think it's a bit quiet in terms of that there's not, nothing new to do yet, but it can be a moment of now everything changes. Why? Because you have so many big projects coming over like DYDX, like clearly stating, okay, uh, we had a tipping point here, which is so big that maybe we need also different infrastructure. We need uh, more power over what we do and deploy. And they just said, okay, we just deploy as an own Cosmos SDK chain. And that's just huge. And I think a lot of other ecosystems are built also on this amazing infrastructure, the Cosmos SDK, but people don't even realize it that much, right? Also BNB is partly built on the Cosmos SDK. You have in Polygon parts of uh, the Tendermint structure, which is called Peppermint on that side. And the funny thing is that now they start to get connected because if you're built on an infrastructure, you can then later on still connect it, right? Like over IBC. And that's where I think a lot of stuff will change. You have stuff like Say Network, which seems to be uh, a truly fascinating ecosystem with an inbuilt order book system, but they just try to be ultra fast, beating Solana. That's at least their goal on the Cosmos SDK. And that's where I said like, damn, this Cosmos SDK is truly <laughs> powerful as a whole. And then you have Osmosis, which is right now the DeFi hub. They have been the one showing, hey, Cosmos is not only something that uh, nerds can try to deploy, but Cosmos <laughs> is also something where DeFi works. And I'm a big fan of Sunny and the team. Uh, they are really, really cool. And um, I think they are working on a lot of stuff, which, yeah, I mean, you know how it is, right? Um, legal is very difficult, <laughs> the legal topics. So you cannot even talk about stuff before it's out there. <laughs> um, but um Let's see. I mean, Mars Protocol is right now going on uh, Osmosis. And then I think finally the topic of an active borrow and lending market comes into Cosmos. And I think we've seen in other ecosystems, if you don't have that, the rest is just difficult, right? Because a lot of mm -hmm. stuff in finance are built on being able to, for example, hedge in a certain direction, being long or short. And if you have no leverage, that's not working in an ecosystem. And that was missing in Cosmos as a whole. Uh, and then liquidity was just low due to that in the Cosmos ecosystem. Well, you can say you mentioned FTM that maybe too much leverage <laughs> was deployed on a certain point. Just I point. think a base leverage <laughs> is needed. Uh, and Circle, I think, identified it for themselves, right? Because they will have their own uh, chain on Cosmos and that will be run by interchain security. So they are basically lending the security from the Cosmos hub and then have their own chain. I think this is uh, amazing. And yesterday, just a Twitter account popped out of nowhere called Noble, Noble XYZ. And that seems to be the name of that circle chain that they're trying oh, to wow. make happen. Yeah. So if you haven't seen that, I think a follow uh, might be needed there. Just that <laughs> everybody sees what's happening. I mean, nobody knows how it will truly work and if you can take any benefit of this. But Circle saying, hey, we have an own Cosmos SDK chain, I think is, is showing that the ecosystem is strong. Another player that almost nobody talks about is Exla. So what Exla mm. is trying uh, to do is they have their own uh, blockchain ecosystem infrastructure and everybody just knows the Exla bridge. 
uh, which is just a normal bridge, right? So you can basically take USDC and bridge it over, and then you have XLA USDC. Uh, but the XLA bridge is just one small application on top of the XLA network, because what the XLA network gives, uh, gives you as an opportunity is that different blockchains can talk to each other immediately and even deploy contracts and uh, do actions. So you could, from Avalanche, buy an NFT on Solana with your tokens on Avalanche. That's kind of wow. damn amazing. If this works out, it basically gets rid of bridge completely because the blockchain just truly talk to each other. It's like layer zero. Uh, basically how they're trying to approach this. And this is stuff where I think not a lot of people yet talk about it. Why? Because you cannot also interact with this as a user. That's why I'm also having my uh, difficulties to do. Who the heck, let's be honest, cares about this kind of technology, right? Before it's truly in place and you can do something with this where also yield is involved. So you have an upside. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, say I mentioned earlier, Exla is interesting. Osmosis with Mars Protocol, what's coming there, super cool. USDC, let's see where they're going. Um, and I think those are the important players. You have Kojira trying to go a very different way coming from the Terra ecosystem back then, not being involved too much with the Cosmos ecosystem, but being there, trying to do stuff differently, also cool. And yeah, let's see now if stablecoins just get attracted into the Cosmos space. That's the big problem, right? You have now Kanto which is basically creating a bridge between EVM and Cosmos. But then Kanto is very much DGEN, Matrix style, right? <laughs> Shadow coders, so kind of they're not part of this ecosystem. But it just shows that more and more people will just onboard and it will just become a big, big space as a whole. I don't know if that makes sense to you. I mean, let me know. <laughs> yeah, I love it. No, I love it. Love it. I mean, there's been a, a couple, we had to say guys on, um, you know, the Dimensions team, the like the, the whole rollout. Shout out to them. Started the incentivized testnet today. We just uh, had the Genesis file. We received it and spin up our <laughs> validator. Awesome. Yeah, I was just gonna say. I wonder if you had a validator with them. Also, the best tagline in 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 crypto rollups is <laughs> kudos whoever came up with that one. Give him a raise. <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, but, I met um, them in Medellin yeah. quickly. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, they're great guys. Uh, yeah, if you want to riff on that, that I I love them. Uh, hope I should probably get them back on soon. Um, obviously, if they got the test now, we good to kind of get that out there. But um, what? How do you think this USDC thing plays out then, particularly in Cosmos? I know they're obviously going to look at their own their own bridge, and they've went through layer zero to make it. Um, like an OFT standard, so on-chain fungible token uh, with USDC. I'm kind of like <laughs> happy that that's happening. And at the same time, I'm kind of like a little bit cautious about it happening as well. Um, I don't know. Have you got any, you got any thoughts on that? Uh, I think you described it perfectly fine, right? It's like, hey, excitement because it's happening uh, at the same time. I'm just cautious in general not because I think Circle has any kind of, let's say, negative intentions or, or bad intentions by any means, but it's like having uh, a fiat-backed stablecoin, it's kind of limited as a whole, right? So we're basically just copying true fiat money into the ecosystem. We know stablecoins are the way to go forward, but that's more where my concern comes as a whole. It's very capital inefficient because then the fiat money needs to lay around somewhere else. <laughs> and 
all this kind of stuff like blacklisting and all these things doesn't resonate with me with kind of where crypto and DeFi should go long term, right? That's where my problems comes from this. And it's weird that when we had our best shot and we failed, so this is kind of <laughs> on a different uh, page for a stablecoin, which is not um, fiat packed, but that's kind of my problem, what I have with them. On the other side, I mean, if they keep on pushing, they're so big, be my guest, right? I think it's amazing. Uh, what's the dude? There's one guy who is in charge of the European um, stuff. He's German as well. Paddy Hensen, if I'm not mistaken, is his name. don't know if you saw him on Twitter. I think he is now head of something at Circle. Uh, he is very well involved in politics, right, in European politics. And they seem to truly care about this topic, something that is often forgotten in crypto, right? It's like, yeah, we are cypherpunks. We don't care about politics. No, I think we should work together with them, right, and think about how to move forward. And that's what, at least it seems to me, Circle is doing in the U.S., but also now in Europe. I don't know if you ever hold uh, the Euro stablecoin. I didn't. <laughs> I don't even know where to get it. Uh, but I think uh, I've seen it on I've seen it on Curve getting heavily incentivized for the first two rounds. But yeah, I don't know. I think I definitely think there's going to be um, more non-USD based potentially picking up some steam. If there's a if there's a correct arena or correct marketplace for those trades, particularly you're going to need leverage if people are going to speculate on them. But just for kind of payments, remittances and things like that, if there is that those kind of rails being built, which I think they are across chain, um, that's accessible for everyone. I think there will be kind of use cases that rear their head, but I think naturally we're going to we're always going to have that USDC-based currency, particularly in the DeFi space. But it is interesting, yeah. Do, do you believe in that Forex will truly work on chain long-term? Because this is one of the most interesting markets in terms of volume, right, in traditional markets. But I always ask the question, like, I don't know, right? I mean, it's like we're trying to do maybe something algorithmically. It's all backed, so they don't really move with the stuff on chain, the true markets. So I don't know if you have any take on that because it's an opportunity. Hmm. Well, if you... Not that anyone, anyone not in their right mind would read this, but <laughs> there was a circle paper co-authored co by Uniswap. Um, and Hayden Adams, I've seen, he's been quite a proponent of, uh, there's, a, there's a project that we're helping kind of handhold in the DeFi space uh, that they've got a Japanese yen product, like fully compliant one-on-one. Um, and he actually retweeted the fact that um, if you were to swap USDC for this Japanese yen product through Uniswap, particularly on Arbitrum, it would be cheaper, uh, as I say, if you were using an L2 and depending on the actual size of the trade, than going through transfer-wise. Um, and again, payments, yeah, they're not gonna, they're not gonna, you know, you're not, they're not gonna go a thousand x. It's not a narrative that's very often spoke about. But the power of that kind of stuff. Um, particularly as the infrastructure goes and it becomes cheaper and easier to move across multiple chains and different jurisdictions and things like that, I think it'd probably be more beneficial for for payments and going cross-currency if you were going somewhere else and there was better on and off ramps. I think that's a huge problem. Um, but Forex, to be, to be fair, Gains Network are getting an awful lot of traction on their Forex pairs on the synthetics. But I don't know. I, I'd like to see it. And obviously the the liquidity providers would like to see it because the volumes are in the trillions. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think I, I'm, I, kind, I kind of want to say yes, but um, I don't know. 
Maybe we'll look back it's and say, yeah, say, yeah, this is so obvious, but I don't know. I mean, it's funny that you say it because while listening to you, you you basically mentioned those typical topic of remittance, right? And people just moving money around, which have been always those prime use cases, but they're not really the use cases that are actually used, right? At least not to my knowledge uh, yet. And it's so interesting because I would love to just pay with crypto here somewhere in my small town that I'm living here in the middle of nowhere in Germany. Uh, but right now I need to use a credit card, uh, for example, the Binance one, which I mean, works perfectly fine. I can put the BUSD on, then I can go here somewhere and pay with it. But that makes no sense, right? Because then again, we have the third party. We even two third parties in between. We have Binance on the one side and we have then the credit card, card on the other side. So how could we solve this? Well, we basically need the, uh, I don't know, wholesalers, the grocery stores to be already also on chain with us. And then we could just exchange. But man, this seems like truly far away. I think it's amazing. It's a huge opportunity. As you said, it's so cheap if it works ultimately. But there are a lot of people that make right now a lot of money in traditional finance with that service. <laughs> I don't know if they let us. Yeah, <laughs> this, this, yeah you got to think about e-commerce and like we use... Uh, We use Coinbase Commerce for for our job site, and still they're taking their little fee. You know, like Visa and Mastercard's like two and three percent, isn't it? So, I'm and and sometimes those are a hidden cost. Um, usually the end user doesn't see them, but they're definitely baked into the price of people are paying with with cards and things like that. But imagine just being able to open like a nice hot wallet or whatever, or even if we had biometrics for for like a more hardware wallet that you could use on a mobile device and just being able to pay on an extremely gas efficient chain in dollars and it converts into local currency on an off ramp. Like it doesn't seem to be fixed, but it seems like the most obvious solution for this whole industry, which is crazy. But let me ask you there. That's so interesting. Do you, because I was just right now reviewing a bit my security setup. I think that's what you just do in crypto after a while, right? So it's like, okay, uh, I have now a bunch of ledgers, literally. <laughs> uh, where, where are my seed phrases right now, right? So it's like, okay, it's, it's there, over there. It's There is a logic do you, do behind you do, right? do you do the monthly or quarterly check? Do you obviously, if everything was to go to shit now, do you, do you know where all your shit is? Because a lot of people are really lax with that stuff. Until, until uh, something really bad happens, they don't realize the importance of like OPSEC. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, uh, maybe that's just my my German me in terms of having this all organized. Do I know the exact number <laughs> of everything in terms of value? I don't even want to, but I, I basically high level know, okay, this is here, this is there. It's like, uh, it, it's a pain for tax now, but I have literally dozens, hundreds of wallet addresses, right? Also in terms of trying to mitigate risk and putting it into different places and interacting and also... That's what I wanted to ask you uh, also in terms of privacy, because if we pay <laughs> with our wallets, that topic yeah. maybe becomes a bit more complicated. <laughs> um, but why I was ex uh, kind of talking about this topic is I was looking at the new ledger, right? which is kind of this, it looks like a phone almost, yeah, looks, looks super great. nice. And I was thinking, of, damn it, do I want to even pay with this? Because if I'm honest, if I'm using my ledger and wallet interaction, it's not very a natural flow of a normal a normal person, day-to-day <laughs> -day business, right? It's like, uh, if I truly want to go to the grocery store and I want to pay with crypto, do I now need my ledger with me? I have the Nano X, which has Bluetooth, but I never use it because I see it as a risk. So I just use yeah. it, let's say, in a closed, I don't know, uh, room <laughs> where nobody can see me, right? And I have the ledger 
nano, the normal one, that I have usually one with me to interact because I have to just some some money if I need to react. You know what I mean? So I have like literally a three-tier system of ledgers just to be sure, but that makes no sense in a day-to-day -day business, right? If we truly want to make this mainstream. And then the privacy yeah. topic is another one, even more, I guess, for people like us that also interact with the chain on videos. That's why I have my open wallets. People can just see it. I have just a few bucks there to also not give a wrong impression to people if they watch the videos, right? And it's like, I, I never understand if somebody has like then 10K bucks. Yeah, just put here and here and just move funds. It's like, thank you, dude. It's just like, you don't care about the money it seems. So I don't know how you see both of those things. Like truly on a day-to-day -day business, you don't need to share with me your OPSEC, but also the topic of privacy. <laughs> yeah, well, I kind of have that tiered system myself but in a different way so obviously i don't have a, a binance card or if there was a card you could just directly pay off but i never keep anything in the bank that i wouldn't be scared of losing which might sound weird to people who if you're listening to this for the first time um i just keep it in my own custody again Horcrux method <laughs> um like splitting it across multiple different places multiple different avenues multiple different attack vectors because you kind of got to think in that in that light nothing overly concentrated in one position. And then if I do need to pay for something or I'm just taking a bit, bit off the table to pay for, I don't know, I don't know, a nice meal or whatever, whatever it is, whatever it needs to come off, off chain and into the real world, then I'll just transfer that to the bank. And again, it's nothing, nothing over the top. It's just, just, that's just how I kind of like to play it. Might be a little bit paranoid Maybe. about keeping too much money in the bank, but yeah, it's, I just I self custody all the way. <laughs> That's crazy! No, I love it. It's amazing. Um, but then you have, so I don't know if you want to share, but which stablecoin or is it not stable? I, I would assume now that it's stablecoins, right? And do you then split it between different stablecoins, or how do you do that to mitigate risk? Yeah, um, to be honest, that's kind of the main sticking point at the minute. Um, just based on last year, I was more than happy kind of holding the likes of MIM or DAI or whatever it was, USD for a while. <laughs> but um, I'm happy taking the risk that I'm not doing anything nefarious on chain that would kind of get me blacklisted. That might be, you know, there's, the book has to stop with somewhere. And if it's with Circle or if it's with the bank, <laughs> like, you know, it's there's, there's, there's an element of trust in it all. Um, I'd love to say that just hold ethereum or whatever asset and just go go the flow that way but um if i do need to convert it um probably go usdc to be honest um you know that's pretty bad <laughs> but... no i mean it said i i'm a big so if i didn't make the point clear i'm still a fan of circuit which also then people say how can you be no it's like it's a well uh, working company right i think they're doing right now everything right nobody can be madder than and they are a very important player but which if, sorry that I'm now asking, having a lot of questions, but I think it's super interesting to listen to you, right? Being truly a Web3 native and using then the self-custody. How do you, off, which service do you use to offer them? Because there are also fees involved, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a bit of a, that's a bit of a nightmare. I mean, you can definitely go through um, off-ramp providers that you set up and there's a whole host of them um, that you can use. Um, but if it's like for small payments, of like, it's like, I don't know. Might be going for a nice night out or something like that. I'll just send it to, to Binance off-ramp that way or use Coinbase yeah. off-ramp that way. It's all kind of, you know, it's not, it's never going to be like ridiculous sums. It's, I'm just trying to yeah. keep my 
assets in, in my possession for as long a period as physically possible until they need to move to the real world effectively. So until there's a great on and off ramp solution, some of them are very, very clunky. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, that's just how I, I would tend to operate. And I definitely don't go through PayPal. I had a million and one issues with those guys over the years. So <laughs> definitely don't off ramp. Okay. I mean, you're a role model, sir. I mean, literally living a <laughs> dream. No, that's, you can laugh. I mean it. So, but because I mean, I use Kraken, for example, to off-ramp mm -hmm. and shout out to them. I, I was also, uh, I met the head of OTC deals. I think it was in November in Lisbon last year during the Staking Rewards Summit. Super nice guy. Shout out to him if he's listening uh, to this. I had a great conversation. And then I told him, yeah, I'm using Kraken and it's amazing to off-ramp. It's super quick, right? At least it works here and based on uh, the EBAN system we have in Europe. And I'm forced due to my company, right, which is here in Germany, and Germany is not very crypto friendly, ultimately, <laughs> to off-ramp and move back and forth, right, between assets, because I just need to make the tax for the company itself, right? So that's why yeah. I see the issue of, and I'm always interested to hear how somebody manages uh, this, because I also for myself created, let's say, different systems. And I have the company, I need to off-ramp, it needs to be in the German rails, right, of the tax system. I have my own setup uh, myself where I have crypto, but then I have just... I see crypto as a separate bucket for myself and I still live mm -hmm. based on the old world with bank accounts and having there my money. So that's why I literally call you a role model because I think it's impressive and super cool that you have that set up and you truly believe in this so strongly. So kudos, sir. Really love to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. It's a complete nightmare when it comes to the tax show. <laughs> but... <laughs> Shout out to accounting. Uh, but yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Pulled my transactions through and it was, oh God, nightmare. Several, several thousands. I wouldn't like to be, I might just get a bespoke accountant. It's not even that I'm like pulling off like amazing capital gains or anything. It's not, it wasn't even that great to be honest. It's just, oh God, if there was a human going through there, they'd be like, what is this idiot doing? <laughs> well, but, but there is a human. I mean, the, the text, um, the, well, the government in the end, there is a human sitting there. Do you think they did really check? Yeah, I don't know. I never know what they're up to. I never know which way the, kind of, the tax, tax systems go across all the countries that we. Uh, I don't know. It's a it's a it's a fascinating one. The guys who are accounting and uh, the coin league guys and things like that, they've picked a difficult topic to to tackle there with their system. They work great though. Um, really, kind of kudos. Just not the industry or the area of the industry that I'd have chose to tackle <laughs> personally. Like imagine imagine like all the People trading like all the shit coins and having to explain like what this is on on a report. It's like, <laughs> oh god, it's kind I mean, of hilarious. I can just share here because maybe some people are interested because I get a I got approached by a lot of people in terms of tax, specifically in Germany here. Right, shout out to the German Telegram group uh, that we have that grown them pretty fast um, last year, and also shout out to the Dyke guys that are running my validators. They are part of Blockpit which are also one of the big crypto tax uh, companies and they are sitting in Austria. Um, I'm also using mo different ones to check, right? I'm using Coinly, I'm yeah. using Blockfit, uh, just to compare them. And um, I'm, I'm also due to still put them in the tax for 2021 and 2022 because I was able, in Germany, you can basically wait and then also cross-calculate them, right? So basically, if you do uh, gains right, okay. or losses, and then you can work them against each other, and you do not need to pay, because I know it's a pain in different countries. 2021 was 
maybe successful. 2022, maybe not so successful, right? So in Germany, if somebody is from Germany Bank, listening, yeah. you can basically work them against um, each other. And I had, yeah, far over 15,000 transactions, uh, right, um, for those two years. And then I talked to my um, tax guys and he said, like, yeah, can you show me the numbers? And I said, yeah. <laughs> and I, I just printed <laughs> for fun a, a few, like, 50 pages. And he said, are those all the pages of your... And I said, no, take a look at up here. Do you see that number? It says 660 pages. Yeah, that's what we have ready here right now. Uh, that's crazy, right? Uh, how, how should somebody understand this? And let's be honest, systems like... Uh, Solana, where the Explorer doesn't even give you any insights of what really happened. Yeah, it's not great. Damn. And then you have ecosystems like, uh, where was DeFi Kingdom on? The Harmony one that just dies. Harmony. Harmony. Yeah, really... that Block Explorer is the worst. Damn. <laughs> well, uh, it is what it is. So, yeah, let's hope that <laughs> it all goes well. <laughs> they should just. They should just actually going in and actually going out. And then whatever you make in the meantime, that's. That's 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 your. They changed it. They changed it last year. It has ups and downs uh, at the same time, right? Because they still have this holding topic of if you hold it one year, I think it's no. I think that one gets rid of them, and that's in Germany the case, right? So if you hold longer than yeah. a year, it's tax free. That can also have a lot of upside <laughs> if it works that way, but you still need to somehow show them all the transaction. It's it's ultra weird. Yeah, it's okay. Oh, well. <laughs> right, we're getting to the top of the hour. Um, thank you very much for coming on. That was great, and uh, I'd love to kind of get a recurring one of these, maybe once a quarter or something. Because um, I just I'd really enjoyed the conversation, but and I'm pretty sure everyone else who's gonna listen to this will do as well. But um, where where can pe people find the channel and um, Twitter and where, where's best to kind of find you effectively? Yeah. Uh, first of all, big, big thank you for the invitation, sir. It's crazy that it was just an hour that we talked. And yeah, uh, a year ago, last time we spoke crazy. So I people know. can find me on Twitter. It's at Danko underscore R. Same on YouTube. Now they change it to YouTube that you can also use at for channels. So it's also at Danko underscore R. And then, yeah, if somebody thinks that the validator business is interesting and they're searching for validator to stake, it's dyke.capital slash Danko underscore zone. That's our webpage. You can see all the validators and appreciate for the big support of a lot of people out there. It really means a lot to us. Awesome. I'll leave all that in the description as well. But uh, thanks, thanks again. And thanks everyone for listening. And we'll speak to you soon.